We're going to look at the scripture here in just a minute, but before we get there, I want to ask you, or um, yeah, let me ask you to do some things. Uh, first off is Christmas. Christmas coming up, 15 days. Ready? 15 days. It's counting down. It's getting closer and faster. So 15 days. And uh, we're going to have, we're, actually for us, it gets here even sooner than that because we do our Christmas stuff here at Lakeside on the 23rd and the 24th of December. We've got Christmas Eve gatherings on both those days, and I want you to be here for those. You can look at the times for yourself in Lakeside Life so you know when those things are coming. But I want to ask you to do something. Uh, one, we're talking about generosity these days. One of the most generous things you can do for your friends, especially those who don't participate in church anywhere, and for your family that doesn't participate in church, one of the most generous things you can do is invite them to church. And the easiest day or easiest time of year to invite someone to come to church is Christmas. And all the other times of year, you know, they might not be moved to say yes. They might go, oh, I don't really need that or whatever. But when Christmas comes around, something sometimes opens up in people's hearts and when they get an invitation, they're like, I could, I could go. And uh, so I want to invite you to invite someone to come and join us for one of those gatherings on the 23rd and 24th. Tell them you'll take them out to dinner afterwards. Tell them you'll buy them a new Lexus. No, no, I'm just, you know, <laughs> with a bow on. No, just kidding. You know, don't tell them that. Um, but invite them to come and expect them to come and pray for Pray for them so that God will move their heart to come. And then let's see what happens. We're going to bring the gospel as clearly as we can possibly present it on those nights. And so I want your friends to be able to, hear and your, uh, to be here and your family to be able to be here and to hear uh, the good news about Jesus. Good? All right. And then another thing's coming up. This is in the new year. About the middle of January, we're going to offer a ministry called Alpha and we've done it a couple of times at Lakeside, but it's a beautiful ministry where we want you to come to it, but we want you to come with a friend. So maybe the same person you got to come to Christmas with you, and you've been talking to them about who Jesus is, and you get to a spot where you go, I don't know what to say next. I don't know how to take it from here. Bring them to Alpha. We'll be there together with you to help walk through what's the good news of Jesus, and how does it work? What's he about? And how does he relate to your friends and to your family members? So Great opportunity to come, but it's really designed for you to bring them with you, not just say, hey, you should go to this class that they're having. But let's do it together, and let's see what God does among us together uh, as we invite people in. Good? Deal? Right on. Okay, let's look at Scripture together today. Uh, we're talking about the well-crafted life, and we believe that followers of Jesus have an opportunity to live a well-crafted life. Now, some followers of Jesus don't choose to. They don't choose to have a well-crafted life. They go, okay, Jesus said, you know, go and make disciples of all the nations and teach, baptize them and teach them to obey everything I've commanded. And a lot of people just go, well, I'll follow Jesus and I'll believe him, but, I'll, you know, I'm not going to really put a lot of effort into it. But he invites us into this life where he says, I want you to live a well-crafted life as a follower of mine because I want your life to be transformed. I want your life to be changed because you follow me. And so he invites us into that. Now, we believe there are five crafts in a well-crafted life. And so we're going to spend a month talking about each of those five crafts between now and sometime around Easter. So that we'll get each of those crafts. Now, we've been talking about the crafts for a while. So do you all know what all five crafts are? Service? I thought you said Deuteronomy. Oh, that's a good book of the Bible, but generosity is what you said, so that's good. So, yeah, so service and generosity, what else? Prayer and scripture and 
Connection. Good. And we have them. Oh, we have them all. And you got all five of them. Nice job. We're going to talk about all five of them. We're talking about generosity right now, which is this, that's like the middle of the bingo card for today. We're talking about generosity. And uh, I want you just to think about generosity for a while as we go through the scripture today. So last weekend, I gave you a little challenge. Do you remember? I said, hey, let's, let's jump into the 30-day generosity challenge. Remember that? Th- three of you? Oh, some over here. Oh, good. How's it going for you? Right? So I've been watching some people, and you're not all this public with it, but I've been watching, because it's kind of hard because you're like, oh, I'm boasting. But I've been watching some people post what they've been generous with online on Facebook and things. Somebody in our church doing this every day, and I think the first day they did it, she, uh, she saw someone in line behind her at Starbucks. I don't know if it was in the drive-thru or just in the stand-up line, but she saw someone behind her, so she paid for their coffee. Right on, man. That's fun, and it's, it's cool, and everyone's happy about that. Well, then, she, I think she was at Starbucks another time this week, so one of her other days of generosity. I don't know if she's at Starbucks every day, but maybe. I don't know. And anyway, she's at Starbucks again, and she sees a guy outside who looks like he's not doing great in life, and she thought he looked like he was homeless. And so she pulls out her purse, and I don't know how this goes because I'm not a purse carrier, but she pulls out her purse, and she gathers up all the gift cards in her purse, And apparently there's like a number of them. She puts them all in an envelope. She writes Merry Christmas on the envelope. And she hands this guy an envelope full of gift cards. She gave him enough cards to have dinner at at Round Table Pizza and several meals at Starbucks. Which apparently is how she supports her habit. People give her gift cards. I don't know. So she's passing it down the line. So she gives an envelope to this guy, you know, with, with all this stuff in it. And she's like, it it felt so good to do that. I'm like, that's exactly what happens when you're generous. It blesses the person who receives it, and it blesses the person who gives it. Why? What did Jesus say about that? It's more blessed to give than to receive. That's how it goes. Now, I'm not asking you, I'm not talking about generosity because I want to guilt you into anything. I don't have to guilt you into anything because, number one, look look at all those toys back there in the back. That is a mountain of toys. Someone came in this week, and I, as I recall the story, they were, I watched them come in. They were pushing two shopping carts full of toys to give away to children during the Christmas around town experience, which I'm just like, that's fantastic. I don't know where they got the shopping carts from. <laughs> and I don't even really know, now that I think about it, I don't know where they got the toys from either, but they brought in a bunch of toys, and it was really generous of them. It was really beautiful, and so... When we talk about generosity, my goal absolutely is not to guilt you into giving. If you sit here through these talks and you go, oh, he just wants me to give more. I feel so guilty. I'm going to do it. I was like, that is not my goal at all. That's not even a thought in my head to make you feel guilty because I don't even think I need to because you're generous already. But I want you to know God's heart. Because you cannot become like God if you don't know what he's like. You cannot become like Christ if you don't know what he's like. And so I want you to know God's heart. I want you to know Christ's heart. And his heart is filled with generosity. And that's what I want for you, to be like Christ, to be transformed to be like Christ. Now, I want to look at Scripture, and I want to show you a story that Jesus told uh, to the people that were listening to him that day. So if you have your Bible, pull it out and turn to uh, Matthew chapter 20. Uh, if you've got your smartphone, you can pull out the uh, Version Bible app. We've got some notes in there. So you go to Version, then you go to the section called More, then you go to the section called Events. And if you're smart enough to remember all that, you'll find notes that we put in there, and you can follow along. 
If that's too challenging, you can uh, pick up a Bible on the end of the row and you can follow along with that. Or you can just listen. Your choice. Okay? Matthew chapter 20, verse 1. Here's a story that Jesus tells. He says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again at about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, Why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Well, because no one has hired us, they answered. He said, well, you also go and work in my vineyard. Now, when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. And when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Jesus starts his story by saying the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner. So we're talking about heaven. And not just the heaven that you go to someday. We're talking about the kingdom of heaven, which is somewhere you'll be someday. But it's here today as well. The kingdom of heaven comes among us. He goes, I want to tell you what that's like. When God's kingdom comes among us, what is it like? He says it's like a landowner. Now, we should be clear on that. The story includes a landowner and some laborers, but the story is not about the laborers. It's about the landowner. That's where he starts. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner. See, sometimes when we think about stories in the Bible, we get confused about who we're talking about. This is God's story. The landowner represents who God is. This is God's story. And sometimes we get so much involved in our own lives, we get so deeply rooted in our own lives, and our perspective narrows down to our own little frame of reference that we can see from, that we think it's our life, it's my story. It's like, well, it's not my story, it's God's story, and I get to fit into his story. And when Jesus talks about the landowner, he's talking about who God is, and he goes, it's it's God's story. So remember whose story it is, and then remember this, a story is, it's about a character who wants something and overcomes conflict to get it. Every story that you've heard is a character who wants something and overcomes conflict to get it. So here's the landowner. That's who it's about. And he wants something. 
Now let's just think about the landowner for a minute. The, the word that Jesus used for the landowner is the Greek word oikodespates. You don't have to remember that. But if you've been around Lakeside very long, you'll recognize one of the two words that make up that compound Greek word. The second part of the word, some of you will recognize also if you've been to college, you'll know this word, right? It's, it's, the, it's the word that from which we get our word despot. Do you know that word despot? Despot? It's, a, it's like a, it's a master. That's what the word means in Greek. It means master. But in our world, it usually comes to mean tyrant. A despot is a tyrant. But it really only means master. And that's what it meant when Jesus used the word. But the word is oika despates. You recognize the word oika? If you've been around here a little bit, you understand we talk about oikos a lot. Oikos is the Greek word for house or household or extended family or network. So here's a guy, he is the master of the oikos. He's, he, the, the way they translate it is he's the landowner. But he's in, he's in charge of influencing his network. And some of that includes land that he owns. And some of that includes vineyards that he owns. And in fact, God has put every one of us into an oikos. That's what we say. God has put every one of us into a, a house or a household or an extended family or a network. And his assignment for us is that we would love and serve and care for the people in our oikos in the name of Jesus. That we would manage the oikos. That's exactly what God does. He's the oikodespates. He's the manager of the house, the manager of the oikos, the manager of the network. And in this case... It includes a vineyard. So a story is a character who wants something and overcomes conflict to get it. So here's the manager of the oikos, and he wants something. He's the manager of the vineyard, and he wants something. What does he want? Well, he wants what every vineyard owner wants. He wants his vineyard to be well-tended. But vineyards are too large for one person to manage all by themselves, for one person to tend all by themselves. So this guy's going to have to have help to manage his vineyard. So in order to accomplish what he wants in his story, he goes down to the marketplace at 6 o'clock in the morning looking for workers. Now, this is weird. When was the last time in Folsom you saw day laborers lining up to get a job? Farm workers looking for a day job? You ever see that in Folsom? No, it's, it's like beyond our comprehension. I was down in San Diego, San Diego County a few years ago, and I was down there with one of our team members here at Lakeside, and we were looking at a church trying to learn from them because they had a lot of ministries they were doing that were creative, and we're like, we'd like to learn from what they're doing. So we went down to this church on a weekend just to check it out. And while we're driving to the church, just a block away from the church, we came to an intersection, and there were like 20 guys standing around the intersection, just standing there. They're, I'm like, they're picketing, but they had no signs. Like, I was, what are those guys doing? So we actually, we asked someone when we got to the church, people were walking into the building and things were like, hey, back there on the corner, what's going on? Is it a demonstration? What's going on? And they, go, they go, oh, those are day laborers. They're, they're migrant workers. They move around the state depending on where the crops are being harvested. They're just looking for a job today. I'm like, oh, there's a story about that in the Bible. Help me so much to, to kind of get it. So in the, in the time of Jesus, they would go to the market. The market was not like Rayleigh's. You know, all the stuff's contained inside one building. You, they, actually, it was more like the Palladio. 
In fact, it would have been beautiful like the Palladio as well, because what would happen is, in fact, here's a, here's a picture of a marketplace. This is in the town of Beth Shan in Israel, and that street is the main street. Those columns used to hold up a roof, and they, and they would shade market stalls. And in one stall, there'd be somebody selling chickens, and some, the next guy would be selling pumpkins, and the next guy would be selling watermelon, you know, whatever they were selling in those places. That's the marketplace in the is, Israelite town of Beth Shan. And it's been preserved like this. Now, see the tourists way up on the left side? That could have been a crowd of day laborers. They're really tourists. But 2,000 years ago, could have been a crowd of day laborers who are like, I'm, I just came to get a job. So the owner of the vineyard, the landowner, the manager of the oikos, he comes down to the marketplace early in the morning and he looks around. He's looking for workers who will tend his vineyard for him. And at 6 o'clock in the morning, he finds some. I'm like, are you kidding me? Six o'clock in the morning, you find people that are already like up and showered and clean and ready to work. I mean, imagine what these people were like. Imagine what their story would be like. Here's their picture. They're up early. They didn't even have an alarm clock. They just got up early. They're, they're dressed and they're fed and the kids are fed and the lunches in the backpack and the homeworks in the backpack and they're diligent and thoughtful and disciplined. They're poor, but they're working poor. They've got things dialed in. And they're down there at 6 o'clock in the morning. Kids have already been dropped off at school. Everything's all packed up, dialed in. And the landowner comes along, and they're all standing there. He's like, yay, these are going to be great workers. These people will be amazing. They're, they're so structured and so disciplined. They're, they're like perfectionists, all of them. And there they are waiting for a job. And the landowner comes up, and he goes, hey, what are you guys doing out here? They go, we're, we're looking for work. He goes, if you go into my vineyard, I'll, I'll, I'll pay you a denarius, which is not like mucho dinero. It's one. One denarius. But that was a day's wage. And that culture, that was like minimum day for a day's work. You get a denarius. So he goes, I'll make a deal with you. If you go out and work in my vineyard, I'll give you a denarius. And they're like, deal. And they shake on it. They're like, and literally that word, when they, they agreed to a denarius, literally the word is they had harmony together. The landowner's happy, the workers are happy, everything's going to go great, they got a full day of work coming up, they're excited about it, everything's going well for everybody in the story so far. They go out to the vineyard, the landowner disappears from the story for three hours, and at nine o'clock in the morning, he shows up at the marketplace again. Now, I don't know who he thinks he's going to find because everybody who wanted to work already came out. They were the ones who had it all dialed in, had it put together. They came out. But he comes back out at 9 o'clock in the morning, and he finds more people standing there in the marketplace doing nothing. Now, these people are a little different than the people that got there first, I think. These, these people want to work, but the baby was up all night last night. I mean, it's hard, hard to get up after you've been up all night with a screaming kid, and, and, the, and the older kid couldn't find his socks in the dryer, and they weren't matched, and they were trying to get ready for school. And the, and the one kid hadn't done his homework yet, and so they're going to be late. And the fourth grader had to come back and get his math homework. Then he came back to school. Then he had to come back again to get his Hebrew assignment. And he comes, comes back again. It's a mess for them. They don't have it all together, but they wanted to work. They want to earn something for their family. And so the landowner comes out and he goes, hey, what are you doing out here doing nothing? Why are you out here standing around doing nothing? They go, well, w w nobody's hired us yet. He goes, well, you go into my vineyard, and at the end of the day, I'll pay you whatever is right. Now, that's different. The first people that he hired, he said, I'll pay you a denarius for a day's work, but for this group, they're only there, like, 
they're three hours late. They're going to get, they're thinking in their mind, like, I'm going to get 75% of a denarius. I don't know how you pull that off. It's a single coin, but that's what they're going to get. I'll pay you whatever is right. And they go, okay. So they go off into his vineyard. And then the landowner disappears from the story for another three hours. And he comes back to the marketplace at noon. Well, who's in the market at noon? Everybody's done by noon because it's hot. The sun's beating straight down on top of your head. Nobody wants to be out in the marketplace. But he comes back and he finds more people standing around. He goes up to them and goes, what are you doing out here? What are you just standing around for? They go, well, you know, nobody's hired us yet. Well, that's not exactly true. The truth was they weren't there at 6 o'clock. They weren't even there at 9 o'clock. I mean, these, these people have a little bit different story. Their, their child's probably sick. They probably had to stop at the doctor, and, and the doctor doesn't even get in until 9. Doctors don't start at 6. So they, and the doctor doesn't take appointments. You've got to get there and wait in line. So they waited in line. Now they, you know, they're getting later and later. They're at the doctor. They're getting their stuff. So now they've got to stop. When they get done with that, they've got to stop at CVS and get their prescription filled. Then they can stop at Starbucks after that because it's been an exhausting day, and they've got to treat themselves to something. When they finally arrive, it's noon. And the landowner drives in and he goes, hey, what are you guys doing out here? Well, we're just looking for work. We don't have it all together, but we just like to get a job. And the landowner goes, well, go and work in my field. And at the end of the day, I'll pay you what's right. Whatever's right. They're thinking, man, maybe we'll get 50% of a denarius. That's not bad. We can buy some groceries for that. Can't live on it for very long, but it's all right. They go into the vineyard. The landowner disappears from the story for three more hours. At 3 o'clock in the afternoon, he comes back to the, to the marketplace. Why? I mean, who's, who's left? Here's the people that are left at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. These are the, people, these are the people that were out late last night. They didn't have a bad night's sleep because of their child being awake all night. They were awake all night. They were out partying all night long. They got in so late, they can't get down to the, down to the, down to the marketplace at 6 o'clock in the morning. They can't even get there by 9 o'clock. They can't even get there till 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Man, these guys do not have together. They're not even sure they want to work, but they're going to go down there and put in a show like, okay, I at least showed up. And the landowner comes up. He goes, what are you doing out here? You know, what are you doing just standing around all day? Like, oh, we really wanted to get out here early, but, you know, kind of had a late night last night, and I still have a headache, and I'm not sure you want to hire me anyway, but got a job. Landowner goes, you go work in my vineyard, and at the end of the day, I'll pay you whatever is right. At 5 o'clock in the afternoon, the landowner comes back out. Why? Who are the people that are in the marketplace at 5 o'clock in the afternoon? Sure enough, he shows up and there's a group of people there. Now, these are the people, they don't want to work at all. They're not showing up to get a job. They're showing up because they're hoping that their buddies who got a job and they get paid a denarius, they're going to buy this guy a drink when they get back from work and all that. That's what they're doing in the marketplace. But the landowner pulls up and he goes, what are you guys doing out here? They go, nobody's hired us all day long. You liar. You're not telling the truth at all. You weren't out here at 6 and 9 and noon. and th- You weren't out here. No, nobody's hired us. I'll tell you what. Go into my vineyard, and at the end of the day, I'll pay you whatever's right. So these guys traipse their way out to the vineyard, however far away that was, certainly out of town somewhere. It's going to take them several minutes to get out there. They walk out there, and they start working. At 6 o'clock in the evening, 12 hours after the first people started working, the landowner comes back to the vineyard, not to the marketplace. 
and he calls the foreman of the workers over. He says, hey, it's payday. These guys need to get paid. In that generation, they paid them every day. And so he says to the foreman, it's, it's pay time. And, of course, we've learned what to do at payday, right? Over the last couple of weekends, we've learned about payday. There's a principle for payday. You, you do remember the payday <laughs> principle, right? You people. I'm just kidding. Um, so anyway, so here's the, you people, here's the, here's the principle. Every time you harvest, leave some for others. Remember that? All right. Every time you harvest. Now, I know you don't harvest things. You don't have grapes in your front yard. So every time you pay day, leave some for others. Every time you pay day, leave some for others. We want to practice that. Why? That's the law of generosity. It begins to shape us to be like God. Every time you pay day, leave some for others. Now it's payday. And so now the, the landowner's outside of the vineyard and the foreman's outside of the vineyard and all these workers that came at various times of the day, they're all there. And the landowner says to the foreman, pay them off. And I'll tell you what, let's start with the ones we hired last and then we'll move up to the ones we hired first. And the foreman's like, ah, okay, whatever. The other guy's been here longer. We should pay them and let them go because they're beat. But, you know, whatever. We'll start with the ones who are hired last. The ones who are hired last, the ones who had no interest in working, they show up after putting in maybe 45 minutes of work. And sure enough, the foreman steps up and gives them whatever is right. He gives them a denarius. And in their head, these people that were hired at 5 o'clock, they're like, ding, 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 jackpot. We want to find this guy every day at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. That's fantastic. We got paid a day's work for one hour, like really less than an hour. This is a great gig. They love the master now. They love the landowner. He's fantastic. They're all wound up about what they've received. You think they're wound up? You should have been the ones hired at 6 o'clock in the morning. Because they're looking down the line of these guys who were hired last. They're like, look at that. Those guys got a denarius. And we still got the 3 o'clockers and the 12 o'clockers and the 9 o'clockers ahead of us. What are we going to get? This is going to be a, what a payday this is going to be. I'm going to get two weeks worth of pay for one day. Except that when those who were hired at 3 o'clock showed up, they got a denarius. Way more than they should have. But no more than the first people were promised. And when the people at 12 o'clock were hired, when the people that were hired at 12 o'clock, they showed up, they got a denarius, way more than they should have, twice as much as they really earned. But they got a denarius. And now the, and now the foreman and the landowner are moving down the line. They're getting down to the people that were hired at 6 o'clock in the morning. These guys are steaming. Now they're hot not because they worked all through the hot day. Now they're just hot. And they come to, and, the, and the foreman and the landowner come up to them. They give them a denarius and like, what are you talking about? You have made those guys at the end of the line who got here at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. We've borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. We've been doing this all day long, and we should get paid more than them. You've made them equal to us. And now they play the, now they play the fairness card, the fairness doctrine. You remember that? Fairness doctrine says we all consider what's fair, what's fair for me. They go, that's not fair. And the landowner says to them, well, wait a second. I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? We had a deal. We had harmony. 
We had an agreement. You, you said that's what you work for. I'm not being unfair to you. Or are you envious because I'm generous? The word envious literally is the word evil eye. Do you have an evil eye because I'm generous? Do you have a perspective that only sees evil because I'm generous? See, the landowner wanted something. A story is a character who wants something and overcomes conflict to get it. The landowner wanted something, but he didn't actually just want one thing. He wanted two things. He wanted his vineyard to be tended. And he wanted his life to be generous. And to the people that were hired at 9 o'clock who didn't have it all together, they tried hard, but they didn't have it all together. What they received from the landowner was generosity. To the people that came at 12 o'clock, they didn't have it all together either. They kind of stumbled around, got there about halfway through the day. They didn't have it all together, but what they got from the landowner was generosity. People that staggered in at 3 o'clock after a hard night the night before, what they got was generosity. And the people that didn't even want to work, but they just came in at 5 o'clock and they accepted the job that was given, what they got from the landowner was generosity. Every worker that day got generosity from the landowner, except the ones who expected they should have more. The landowner is the manager of the oikos. He's the manager of the household. And in the story, he represents God. And when God looks at our lives and he goes, man, you don't have it all together, do you? You don't have it really all dialed in here, do you? And whether that's from a personal perspective or whether that's from a social perspective or relational perspective, whether that's from a financial perspective, whether that's from a spiritual perspective, the landowner looks at us and he goes, man, you don't have it all dialed in, do you? I'll tell you what, at the end of the day, I'm not going to give you what's fair. I'm going to give you what's right. And at the end of the day, for those who don't have it dialed in, for those who stumble all the way to payday, at the end of the day, what's right is what's generous. Righteousness is about generosity. When God declares us righteous as followers of Jesus, he's not giving us what's fair. And he's not giving us what we deserve. Although if we were hired first, that's what we thought we wanted. What he's giving us is generosity. And if that's what the master of the oikos does for us, because he wants us to have generosity in our lives, then when he turns around and commissions us to live as managers of our own oikos, what does he want for us? 
<clears throat> he wants generosity from us to others, just like him. Because he wants whatever happens in his own heart to be shaped in your heart. <clears throat> and if you go, I can't do it, I'm not good enough, I, don't get it. I just don't get this thing dialed in very well, he goes, I know. I want you to have generosity anyway. That's what grace is. Jesus, thank you for who you are. Thank you for the stories you have told and the life that you have lived. Thank you that when you came to this earth, you lived out generosity. And you showed us what your father is like. Lord, thank you for that. I pray for us today. Lord, this is not about any kind of guilt. We know we don't measure up. We, don't, we know we don't arrive on time. We know we don't live perfectly as we want to live. We need mercy and we need grace and we need your generosity. And you have told us that you delight to provide it. So thank you for that. Lord, we love you. We worship you together. We are grateful to you for the generosity you give. We ask that you would build that into our lives as well. Lord, thank you. Amen.